candid conversations that might just change how you look at the world. Let's bridge cultures, transcend borders, and build a global family of change makers. Welcome to If By Chance. George is a family man. He's also an author, real estate agent, public speaker, and inventor. He loves life, but it wasn't always that way. And in this conversation, George shares his thoughts on how to seize the day, even if you think you're on the way to hitting rock bottom. It's funny, I tell people that I am on Earth. I am actually in California. And what is it like where you are there? It is sunny and 76 degrees today. So pretty good. Yes, really good. We are very spoiled here and I just love it. That's wonderful. What are you working on at the moment? I am a published author. I am a real estate agent. I'm a public speaker and I'm also an inventor. Where do you want to start? What's your favorite thing? Being called to motivate and inspire the next generation and anyone that's looking to reinvent themselves after a tragedy, a life-changing event, uh, things of that nature. And I believe that that's my calling. If you're not following your gifts, your talents, your life's purpose, you would not find fulfillment. That's just what we're all dealing with now. Uh, when my father was 45 years old, he was given six months to live. And I was in my mid-20s. I got divorced. I was unemployed. I lost everything. And then I got disabled. And the remaining people that I had in my life, they disappeared too. So it, it's that whole journey of depression, also suicidal thoughts, heavily medicated for my injury and overcoming that. So what disability did you suffer from, if you're okay to talk about that? I had a work-related accident and it, it disabled it for three and a half years. I couldn't even lift five pounds. I couldn't lift a gallon of milk. I couldn't sit. I couldn't stand. I couldn't lay down for long periods of time. I couldn't walk. And the doctor says, you know, get comfortable as much as you can because there's a lot of things that you're not going to be able to do from here on on. And I was only 39 years old at that time. So as you can imagine, I felt useless. And then I was able to made it medicated because of the pain. I have a herniated disc in my lower back, one in my mid spine and one in my neck. And it, it was really difficult. That's why I went into that dark place of depression, suicidal thoughts. Because I'm like, what am I supposed to do? I can't even provide for my own family. I had a daughter with me, with, with my ex-wife and whatnot. And it, it just fell apart because of that, you know? And it, it, it's, it's a horrible story, but I think looking back now that I believe I was meant to go through that because now I can talk to people, not by, oh my God, if I know I don't know what you went through. No, no, I know what you're going through because I lived that firsthand myself. But if I was able to overcome this and get myself out, I know that you are able to do it too, but you just need to have enough of a reason to do it. And for me, I looked at my grandfather's sacrifices when he came to the United States under this work agreement between the United States and Mexico back in World War II. And I used it as a foundation. And I also used my father's story of experience of losing him. I want to honor that 
And those are, and then obviously my, I have my daughter with me and stuff like that. So I'm doing it for them and not doing it for self because a lot of times when you do it for self, we give up more easily. But when we're doing it for the people, it, it's almost like we suck it up because we don't want to let them down. And I think that's important as well. So why did you decide to go into real estate? How did you get from that period of depression to having a successful couple of years? The, the real estate, the reason I went into real estate because that was whispered to me. I was disabled and I'm like, what am I supposed to do now? And that's when I heard this whisper that said real estate. And when my father was alive and I was 14 years old, my father was a handyman. And I was helping with helping him and my uncle doing kitchen and bathroom models and rehabs and stuff like that. So I had a lot of foundation of real estate. So when I heard that voice, I knew it was something that I could transition into. I knew it wasn't far-fetched. I knew there wasn't going to be a lot of physical activity. And that was the only thing that I was able to do at that particular time was going to real estate. And I closed 12 deals in the first 16 months because of the experience that I had from previously from my, when I was 14 years old. And that's how I was able to transition, transition to real estate. So you think that you knowing how the buildings and the houses were put together helped you relay the benefits of the homes? Yeah, and absolutely. And, and actually fixing them up and looking for ugly houses, making them beautiful again for first hires, that really helped me show that to my clients. And they would tell me like, George, no one has ever showed me this part. No one has ever told me there's a lot of money here, sweat equity, and all I got to do is just a little bit of work. No one's ever told me that before because I've talked to previous real estate agents. Well, the reason they didn't share that is because they didn't have that experience, but I had that experience. That's so why you I was were able teaching to close them, deals. Yes. You were teaching them how to unlock value in yes. the homes that you were yeah. showing them. Yeah. First appreciation and equity, yes. And the inventions... Were you doing that at the same time? Where does that fit? That the invention came when I was unemployed before I got injured. I started coaching my daughter's softball team because she wanted to play and she didn't get picked on the team because it ran out of coaches and there was only like nine or 10 little girls that were left over. And I looked at my daughter's eyes. I'm like, I can see that not playing was not an option for her. So I looked at one of the parents and go, excuse me, I understand you've coached before. If you commit yourself as a coach, I will commit myself as the assistant coach because clearly your daughter's not going to play either unless me and you are coaching. One day I went to sleep and I woke up at three o'clock in the morning and had this image in my mind and I sketched it out. And then when my daughter came from school that day, she asked me, daddy, what are you doing? I invented this machine. I sketched it out. I'm trying to figure this out here. And then she was telling me, Daddy, shouldn't it do this? Shouldn't it have this? So my daughter became a co-inventor at that time. And then my daughter became a five-time All-Star, one-year Rookie of the Year, and one-year MVP because of the prototype machine that I built for my daughter. So what does the machine do? The machine is retractable. So every two seconds, you can hit it. So it's about muscle memory, and it's about your level swing. So your swing is always level. So it retrains you in terms of how you hit a softball? Correct. Yeah, a baseball or a softball. So basically, every time you swing, it's going to be the exact same swing in the same exact position every time you swing. So every two seconds, you can hit it. 
So you don't have to readjust yourself and stuff like that. You just come back, bring it back. And by the time you bring it back, it's ready for you to hit it again. So it's all about repetition and muscle memory. And that's how she was able to become such an amazing player. And I, my, my thing is I wanted all the coaches regret not picking my daughter. That's how committed I was with my, for my daughter. And it worked out. It worked out just fine because the first year, nobody wanted her. The second year, everybody was like, what's going on over there? By the third year, everybody, every single coach wanted her on their team. And my daughter says, daddy, I started on this team. I'm going to end on this team. I'm not leaving this team. Does the machine have a name? It's called the batting pro. Nice one. So you are very focused when it comes to self-improvement. Since the day I learned that I was going to become a father, I wanted to make sure that my daughter was better prepared, had better opportunities than I was. I wanted to make sure that her English speaking skills were a lot more better than mine because English for me was a second language. Even though I was a born American citizen, first generation, my family was Spanish speaking. So English for me was a second language, not a first language. So I wanted to make sure that my daughter's skills were a lot more sharpened in, than mine. And I wanted to make sure that she was smarter, wiser, and better prepared more than I ever was. And she's 24 years old. And at her 24 years old, she has accomplished a lot more, way beyond what I accomplished at the age of 25 myself. She's extremely brilliant. She's smart. She graduated from U.S. California State University of Long Beach with the business marketing degree. And she just got a job which starts on Monday for the LA Galaxy, a soccer team here in the United States. That's fantastic. So I guess her having you as a, a role model has really shown her what's possible. We've talked about that quite a bit, you know, and, and more recently. And she has mentioned that compared to herself to other of her classmates and people that she's grown up with, none of them have the kind of foundation of support like she has for myself specifically, but also her mom as well. Because this generation, they're missing that. They're missing because the parents are too busy or they're separated, they're divorced, or somebody's deceased. And they don't really don't have that solid foundation of family values where to inspire them to create more because everybody's just living and everybody's surviving and stressed out. And we wanted to make sure, regardless of if we're stressing out or just surviving, we wanted to make sure that she was prepared for the life that she was actually going to live and not necessarily the one that we lived. And what about community? You spoke about how when we make these big changes in our lives, sometimes the people that we've surrounded ourselves with don't or won't come with you for the next part of your journey. So have you found a new community? I have, you know, with entrepreneurship and now with the podcasting and speaking on stages, I've definitely followed, I, believe, I call it my soul tribe, I call it my family not family by blood, but family by, by purpose and our gifts and our talents and us really wanted to make a difference in the world because we can't do it on our own. It, collectively, we have to collaborate with each other to really make the impact that we really want to become. And, and my daughter has been faced with that too because 
as she's getting better and she's growing and she's maturing, she's noticing that too, that not everybody's going to fit in the next life that she's creating for herself. And she's going to have to let some people go. And it's hard because she's seen how hard it's been for me. And now she's experiencing it firsthand what I've gone through myself over the last 25 years since she was born because I committed myself to that personal development, to that growth. Do you have any advice when it comes to letting go to friendships that aren't serving you well? It's, it's easier said than done, but definitely the way I see it for myself is that I'm either going to disappoint God, my creator, and my life's purpose and live a fulfillment life, or I'm going to disappoint the people that are going to be left behind. Now, if these individuals didn't want to be left behind, they would have done their part to try to stay at our level of growth. So it's not easy. It's extremely difficult. The life that we're here for is more important than the disappointment of the people that we leave behind. And that's what we have to look at. Can you help me understand what that might look like when somebody's not stepping up to the level that you would like them to when you're on that journey of personal growth? Every day, every week, every month, and every year, I am no longer my previous version of myself. So if somebody doesn't call me for a month or a year, they're no longer talking to George Gonzalez at this present time. They're talking to a version of me that no longer exists anymore. So how can you, how is it that you tell that there's a disconnect? So for somebody... It's a disconnect. Yeah, it's a disconnect because they might call me and say, hey, George, what are you doing this weekend? You want to get a beer? You want to go hang out? It's like, you know what? I, I appreciate the invitation, but I'm, I'm, I'm busy. You have to, I'm busy get on interviews. I'm busy because I'm going on a speaking engagement. I'm not, I don't have time to go have a beer and just talk. I don't want to just talk about the old times unless you're part of, of the growth. And as we're celebrating an achievement, maybe we can discuss some of the things that we overcome. I, that I can see. But if you're not part of my growth and part of this new experience that I'm creating, for not only me, but my lineage, my daughter, my grandkids, I can allow you to pull me back and only just hang out, have a beer because I no longer recognize nor do I want to be part of that environment. I don't fit there anymore. And it's not that I'm better than them. It's just that I don't fit in that environment anymore. So you're structuring your days very differently than those people. Absolutely, yeah. They, they might watch a football game or some kind of a sport or not. I'm going to be trying to read a book, read a biography of somebody, trying to reach out to somebody that I want to partner up and collaborate with. So the mindset is way different. Now, again, if we're building something together, I mean, I love to have fun too. And I love to be adventurous as well too. So I don't mind as we're going to travel to meet these individuals, maybe I'll get a baseball game together or have a drink together where we can talk some business and even celebrate something that we accomplished in that particular day or week. So what does an average day look like for you? An average day for me looks like researching, talking to people like yourselves, podcasts, 
clients of mine, people that are maybe coaching, motivating, somebody that might see my content, maybe I have a question. So it's me giving back, partnering up with people, collaborating with people to try to go to the next level of life. And how many hours a day do you think you work? You know, I don't call them working hours because it's, I'm very passionate what I'm doing because I'm being called to do it. And I believe that I'm utilizing my gifts, my talents, and I do believe that I'm pursuing my life's purpose. So for me, it's fun. When I'm in that zone, I feel fulfilled. So it fills me full of energy and love, compassion, and it, it just feeds my soul. Now, if I wasn't doing this, then it would feel like work, but it doesn't feel like work for me. It is amazing when you can find things that give you energy as opposed to depleting them. I just wonder for those who are feeling a little bit stuck, what advice would you give them in terms of how do they find something that is closer to their passion and what they should be doing with their time? I would tell them that everything in life happens for a reason. There's a reason why we travel the journey that we go through. It might not make any sense now, or it might not make any sense of what happened in the past, but I can almost promise you this, that whatever journey that we've just overcome at this present day now, if we look back and we look at what jobs we have, what career paths we've worked in the past, or we're currently working, a lot of that stuff we can bring forward as relatable experience, Everybody's got a gift, a talent, and a life's purpose. Society has downplayed the word hobby to tell us that it's just a hobby. A hobby is not just a hobby. A hobby is a gift or is a talent. And there's a reason why you love to do that. If you look at it deeper, you might realize that that can probably give you the fulfillment that you're missing if you make enough time for it. And chances are, if you might, if you find a way to monetize it, you can see a, maybe a new career or a new path forward where you can actually live off that passion and off those gifts and talents that God gave you, because we all have them. Some of them just haven't been exposed yet because we haven't had time to really dig deep in them or have time to really like, I mean, what am I really supposed to, what am I here for, really? But once we ask those questions, don't be surprised when things start coming through and flowing through. So what do you say to those people who are worried that if they turn their hobby into their job, they're not going to love it anymore? I would say that wouldn't be it. Because God would not give you a gift or a talent that wouldn't fulfill you. But if, and I don't want anybody to wait for this, but when you're sitting in a dark place, and you're thinking, oh my God, I'm at the bottom of life in a stark place with suicidal thoughts and depression. And this actually happened after my accident. Uh, when I got injured at 39, I pulled myself out about two and a half years later because I was in a dark place for two and a half years because I was so depressed because I was so heavily medicated. I was completely numb. So if I was able to do that, but what I tell people is don't wait to be in that position. It's a very dangerous position to be in. Yeah. Did you have anyone around you to help or was it just you? I had. Was there someone I, disrupting your thoughts? I, I, I did have my younger sister that took me in at that particular time. 
and my mom lived with her. And then I had my daughter. So I had these three individuals that believed in me, that were trying to protect me. And they knew that George needs help and we have to be there for him individually. And if it wasn't for them, I probably would have taken my life if it wasn't for these people. I did feel that I was protected in some way, but I was still there in a dark place. I saw things that I should have seen. And of course, this is what happens when you're on heavily medicated. You see things that you're not supposed to see and you feel things you're not supposed to feel. This is all the medication talking to you, right? But once I was able to get into that, I was able to clear my mind. I was able to think clearly. And then I utilized my grandfather's sacrifice, my daughter, my, my honoring my father's legacy, what he went through. Also, my daughter being in my life and what I wanted to build with her and what I've always wanted to do for her. And then I thought about my sister taking me in, my mom taking me in. So I started doing all these positive things together. And that's really what kind of pulled me out of that. And did you have any mentors along the way that you looked up to or any particular books that you read? How did you keep going? There was people that I was following on YouTube, social media and stuff like that. And there was definitely books that I had read. Think and Go Rich was a huge inspiration for me. I, I picked up that book after my daughter was born, but it was actually suggested to me like 10 years previous to that, which I regret not getting it 10 years previous to that. And then uh, Rich Dad, Poor Dad, How to Win Friends, Influence People, The Secrets, The 21, it was, it's called the, the Laws of Power. Yeah, yeah, The Laws of Power. And then just a bunch of other books that within the same scope of entrepreneurship and, and personal development. And uh, oh, Tony Robbins as well too, Grant Cardone and stuff like that. I look very highly to these individuals because they've also have gone through so much in their lives. And I love reading stories similar to that because I, and I think that's what also prepared me for when I went through it because I knew that other people had succumbed that and gotten out of that. And if they did it, I knew I could do it too. And I use it as a kind of like a reference. And books are such a wonderful resource, particularly when you don't have a strong community or network around you. And I think it's probably one of the best things that you can get started with when it comes to trying to improve your situation. I, I think it's like the only thing you can, you can really count on when you don't have anybody. The only thing, really. Even if you don't have much, you can always go to a library or something like that. I'm really glad you said that because before I started buying books, I used to take my daughter with me and I used to sit down in the library and I used to read personal developments at the library with my daughter because I was unemployed. And then I would, she would, I would suggest certain things like she should read and then she would pick up certain books that she can read at that point and we would sit down together on the aisles of the library. So we did that for many years as well. It's so good for your relationship to spend that time doing something together and you're both working on yourselves at the same time which, yeah, is very strongly part of your personality. What about contentment? I think contentment is a very dangerous position to be in. I am not content. I am not satisfied because I have a lot more to do. Now, that doesn't mean that I'm not humbled. I am humble. I'm not, I don't brag. I don't boast. I don't show off. But that doesn't mean that I don't want more. And when I say more, I don't mean material stuff. 
I mean, I want to reach more people. You know, I have big plans for my speaking and interviews. I have more plans for that, big plans for it. I'm laying down a foundation that many people are not aware of what I'm trying to build yet. I'm only allowing them access to what I currently show them. But I have big plans for the foundation that I'm laying down. Really big plans. So for that reason, I'm not content because there's something so big that I'm trying to create. And one of the things that I can tell you, because I've shared this before, but I want to reach three or five generations of my lineage. In my book, I speak about four. I talk about my grandparents, my parents, my father's story. I talk about my journey, and I also talk about my daughter's successes. Now, the successes up until 20, 2021, since then she's graduated from university. She just got this amazing job from this, for this soccer team. Extremely proud of her. So she has her own story to tell. Me. But that's just the, the foundation of what we're trying to build now. So I want her to build her legacy on my foundation, like I built mine on my grandfather's foundation and my father's foundation. So how much time would you say that you spend thinking about the future? I don't work for the present. I work for the future. Everything that I do, I do for the future, ever since I can remember. And it's funny because somebody told me once, George, you're planning five years ahead, 10 years ahead. I was like, no, I'm not planning five years ahead or 10 years ahead. I am planning three to five generations ahead. But I've been doing it for so long that sooner or later, I'm going to catch up to the present moment. So I was planning ahead, always. There's an idea that being focused on the future or the past too much is tied to some forms of depression. But then you've also mentioned that you meditate. Do you recognize that idea that if we focus a lot on things other than the present moment for a large portion of the day, that that might impact some people negatively? I don't believe so because when I say that I'm working on three to five generations ahead, that doesn't mean that I'd ha- I don't have daily tasks. So there's certain things that I do daily that are required for that to come into fruition in the future. Like being on this interview today, on this podcast today. That's a requirement today. And I'm loving having this conversation with you. It fills me with this energy, with this love, and it really fulfills me by doing this. And this is what makes me happy. So I went on this podcast frenzy three months ago, and I committed myself to do three to five interviews a month. I didn't feel that was enough. So I'm doing, then I went three or five a week. That wasn't enough. So now I'm doing about between three to 10 a week. And I've been doing that consistently for three months. But this is where I feel fulfilled because that means I can reach more people faster, sooner, on a bigger scale, which again, that fulfills me. And then some people are saying, George, what can I do for you? 
who do you want me to connect you with? At first, I was really discarded that because I'm not the type of person that really asks for help. But now I'm saying, well, you know what I'm trying to build. You know what I'm trying to create. I'm trying to reach a lot more people faster because I don't want to lose anyone because I didn't get to them soon enough. So if you can connect me with somebody that you feel is a fit based on the conversation that we had today, I would truly appreciate that. And I've had people connect me with other individuals, other podcasts, other shows. And this is how also I was invited again a second time to some of the podcasts that I was already in, inviting my daughter in to her, her perspective on the journey that we, we were able to do together. And, and like I said, she's a lot smarter than I am. She's a lot wiser than I am. And just seeing her speak in, in that way, I'm like, oh my God, she became, she's becoming the person that I always wanted her to be and the person that I always knew she could be. She, she's already there. Now she gets to just scale from that and just grow and pick things up along the way. As a parent, that's so satisfying. But over the last three months, having done that many podcasts, you must have learned a thing or two. I have learned so much. So, so much. One thing that I learned is that I'm not alone in this journey. Sometimes you, you feel lonely on, on your entrepreneurial journey. But when I started getting on podcast, I realized that how much more and how many more of us there is than there is not. Because a lot of us are in that similar journey that we want to change lives because we've, we've gone through a journey that there was some devastation, there was adversity, there was pain and whatnot. And we want to make sure that other people don't go through the things that we went through or if they did or if they're stuck, we want to pull them out. And this is what we're doing together collectively. So when I, as I, I'm going through these interviews, I'm like, why we really are doing this together? I'm not here by myself. I don't need to do this by myself. No, but I want to. Because it's tiring. But when you collaborate with two people, look at the energy that comes out of me. This is what happens when I'm talking to, having these conversations because we're here to help each other. We're here to be of service. That is what we're here for. And that's the part that's exciting. So if we're feeling stuck or we've got someone in our life who we can see is stuck, have you got two or three simple things that we could do? What I typically do, if it's somebody that's really close to me or somebody that calls me that reaches out to me on social media, I immediately get them on the phone. I stop the text, get them on the phone. If there's somebody local to me, somebody that I care about, I, I go to them face to face. I'll put my, I'll put my hand on them, on the shoulder or somewhere. And I, I lower my voice, coming straight out of my heart, out of my soul. And I tell them, look, I know you're going through some stuff. I know that. I can see that. And I'm not going to try to tell you that it's going to be easy because I'm sure it's not. But I can tell you this. I have experience, and then I'll sure share with them certain experiences. And then I'll tell them, what makes you think that I am the only one that's capable of over overcoming this? I believe you are stronger than what you think you are, but you have to believe it on your own. 
Because if you don't believe that on your own, no one's going to believe that. But I know you're capable of overcoming this. And not only that, you are special. You have no idea how special you are. You have a gift, you have a talent, and you have a life's purpose. And right now is the time to go deep within your own soul and ask this question, what am I here for? And why am I going through this now? And if there's a reason, show me what it is and tell me what you need me to do. And I take a step back and I'm quiet. And what I usually get is this emotional, crying feeling, tear-eyed feeling, because it reaches the deepest part of them. And that's when they know, they realize that I didn't lie to them, that what I'm saying is truthful. And then they start believing in themselves. And then they start asking themselves, yes, I am here for something. I may not know what it is yet, but I'm going to figure this out. And then I tell them, you don't have to do this by yourself. I'm here with you. There was no one here with me, but I want to be here with you. I want to help you. We can talk it out. We can do things. We can try certain things. It's okay. I want to be here with you, for you, because I know you're going to figure it out. And once you figure it out, I know with no doubt that you're going to change so many lives. And you might even save a life or two. And I say that because I've experienced that already firsthand. And that's a changer for everybody. And the reason I say that is because there has been several instances where I get off stage, some of these young college students come up to me and say, Mr. Gonzalez, I wasn't going to be here tonight, today, at the event, But something told me last night that I should be here. I resonated with your story, your content, everything you talked about. But just to let you know, I was actually going to take my life last night. And had I not been told to be here, that would have exactly what would have happened. This is why I do a lot more podcasts. This is why I do a lot more interviews. I don't want to lose anyone that I'm meant to reach because I'm taking it easy or I'm just going to even this flow out so I don't get tired because I'm not getting tired. I get more tired or frustrated when people cancel on me because I know that we just did a disservice to the people that were going to listen. This has been quite a powerful conversation. Are there any last thoughts you want to leave us with? Change is scary, but if it wasn't scary, we wouldn't feel that we're alive. But being scared and nervous is one thing but completely discarding a life that you're being called to, that is disobedience. And not only is it disobedience, but it's regretful because there will be a point in your life in the future that that feeling of regret will reach up on you. And I tell you this because I know a lot of people that they regret not following certain things in their life early on. Some people have passed away 
not fulfilling their life's purpose. And that's also a painful regret. So I do not want to live with regret. I also don't want to disappoint God, my creator. And I want to say that a lot of listeners also don't want to disobey, disappoint God or our creator or whoever they believe in. Or even our families, our lineage, our kids, our grandkids. No one wants to disappoint them. So I would say, follow your gifts, follow your talent, pursue your life's purpose, and please listen to your calling. My book is called Answer the Call. My book was supposed to be called American Inventor. But the day that I was finalizing that book title, I heard a whisper from the same voice that I've heard before. And it said, answer the call. And then I heard it a second time. And then I said it out loud. And I told my publisher, that's the name of the book. Where did you get that from? It was just whispered to me. Okay, George, we're going onto the car. We're scrapping American Inventor. Two weeks later, the meaning of answer the call came to me. That that was about finding your gifts, your talents, and pursuing your life's purpose. That is God's message to the world. That's not my message. This has been a wonderful conversation, and I really think it's going to inspire a lot of people to seize the day. Thank you so much. I am very humbled by the opportunity and humbled by by your kindness today. Thank you. George is on a mission to help others find the thing that lights them up. And although he wears many hats, he's managed to weave a common purpose into each role he plays. Whether it's real estate or inventing, George helps others unlock potential where they may not have seen it before. And whether you're as fast-paced as George or not, we could all do with someone like that in our lives. There are some important links in the show notes this week. There's a link to find a helpline if this episode has raised any issues for you and links to all the books mentioned. Now, dear listener, it's your turn. Have you got something to add to the conversation? Then get in touch via the links in the show notes. Whether you have questions, a message of support, or resources that you think might help, we'd love to hear from you. And if by chance, you know someone with a story that will inspire others, be sure to let us know. Your contributions help turn inspiration into action drive positive change and make life just that little bit better. And if this conversation inspired you to expand your worldview, head to hellohuman.global to join the conversation.